Hey, this is Steve Balton, and you are here on My Turning Point, where this week we are joined by AWOL Nation's Aaron Bruno. I've known Aaron for years, a great dude, and this week we talk about the band's brilliant new album, Angel Miners and the Lightning Riders. We talk about how he's been dealing with coronavirus pandemic, and how that's prompted him to get out of his comfort zone by hosting his own internet show, and much more. Hope you enjoy this as much as we did. Always a pleasure to talk with Aaron. So what would be a turning point moment for you that led you to, <laughs> I always ask the turning point moment that led you to now, but I don't know that anybody could say there was a moment that led you to now because this time is so fucking weird. No one expected this time now. Okay. Well, I would say that rather than, rather than, well, rather than talking about what made me comfortable playing a guitar or wanting to sing in a band, which was probably a variety of, of punk rock music 80s pop music and metal and then going into the early 90s and, and when Nirvana's Unplugged happened, you know, watching that and just being changed forever and feeling comfortable at least to grab a guitar and play in my own bedroom and, you know, in privacy, knowing that no one would ever hear it. So that, you know, on a musical level, that's sort of a turning point for me as far as feeling motivated to learn a song to sing by myself <laughs> for no one to hear. But I think it's more fitting to talk about another turning point for me that's near and dear to my heart um, right now. And it kind of goes full circle into what we're all experiencing uh, as human beings. And it is nice to say though, that as human beings right now, instead of as Americans or as Californians, you know, so there, there is some, there are some bizarre things, as you mentioned earlier, that, that can be a positive, such as being uh, connected, navigating through something really scary as as a human race. You know, I don't. I've never been able to say that necessarily in my lifetime. Um, but so for me, it was the California Woolsey fires, and we haven't spoke since that happened. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I've mentioned this quite a bit before. So assuming that I'm not going to bore anyone with, with the, with this repeat of the story, um, the fire ravaged through my world. Um, I was on tour at the time and it came through and, uh, it burned my studio to the ground, all my gear. Um, so a lot of other material things like cars, uh, not that I had a huge car collection or any, you know, I'm not living large like that or anything, but, um, my just daily driver, uh, and, you know, my, like I could go on and on about how many things were lost on my property and, and turned to ash. But since my um, actual home remains standing and wasn't burned to the ground, um, I sort of feel guilty even finding time to feel bad about losing my studio, if that makes sense. Um, but having said that, going through that experience, um, and which I'd never been through before, you know, What's scarier than than fire itself? It 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 obliterates everything, almost everything, right? And um, 
So trying to compartmentalize that and comprehend it both while I was on tour and then in the following months when I came back and couldn't move into my home because it wasn't, it wasn't safe to live in yet again, because of, you know, the various chemicals and, and, um, wreckage, you know, that, that had taken, well, that had developed because of the fire. Um, all of those things, uh, and, and that event really shaped and influenced the record I ended up making. Um, and during that time, I, and I know you weren't necessarily asking about this current album, so I don't mean for it to be about that necessarily, but it is, it is a turning point in my, like the most relevant, you know, turning point of my life. Um, so when I came back to the house, we had to, we had to figure out a way to make it livable again. And, you know, from, from things as dark as having to, clean up like anyone who's been through a fire knows what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, there's, there's stuff you never even think of, like whether it's dead birds or dead trees, debris, all those things um, that just, you know, I left on tour, everything was going pretty good. And I came back to a, a, a world flipped upside down. And um, so inevitably I needed to make these new songs in, in a bedroom instead of the studio I had built. And, and I'm sure, as you know, building your own studio is a dream come true. It's a childhood fantasy from the first moment, you know, I, I started writing songs or trying to play songs. It, it never occurred to me that it would be an option to have my own studio one day. And so that was a big deal. Um, so to lose that was crazy. And of course thinking, how do I restart now? Like what, what, what do I want to sing about? What do I want to write about? Um, and then it hit me that it was going to be a very therapeutic way to deal with the uncertainty um, of the future of, of my surroundings and my home. And, you know, also being very lucky and feeling like the glass was half full and trying to look at it that way because I had uh, my house didn't actually burn to the ground. So I was, I was lucky to be able to make a record inside a, uh, a bedroom. So having said that, I created these, you know, ever since you're a little kid, you, you ask, I don't know if you're anything like me or any listeners are, but I would always ask my parents stuff like, you know, when, when you're learning how the world works and you learn about thing, you know, heavy subjects like death, uh, disease, um, well, natural disasters, earthquakes, fires, uh, volcanoes, and, and everything in between, you sort of wonder your world collapses or, you know, finding out that Santa Claus isn't real. I don't know. So anyone told you, but I figured it out one day. I'm like, wait, this, this is, this guy can't be right. You know, this can't be real or the Easter, you know, so those things about life. So you ask, well, how did this happen? Or why is there evil in the world? Why do people murder? Why do you know, all the, all the dark forces that take place in our world on a daily basis. Um, So I decided to create these characters and blame them for these problems. So those are the angel miners. And I, it was like a lighthearted sort of way. And maybe it was my, my sci-fi comic book fantasy coming true um, in some sort of weird way. But it was, it was my way of kind of um, taking a lighthearted approach to something that was very serious in the devastation I had just witnessed. And um, then, of course, out of that, there had to be someone to combat these bad forces, the angel miners, which were the lightning riders and the lightning riders were um, 
created from the earth to combat the angel miners. And I came up with the idea of the, the lightning riders when I was on, on tour with 21 pilots and we would do a, um, I'd have everybody hold up. First of all, I tell, I tell everybody to hold up a lighter and then I realized, well, no one has lighters at a concert anymore. Like you and I growing up. Right. So I'm like, okay, right. you don't have lighters. So we can't have our scorpions win, winds of change moment. So what can you hold up your phone that has a light on it, which is a funny thing you know, for someone my age to ask, like, hey, everybody hold up a phone with a, with the lighter app on it, you know? Um, not quite as sexy as it would have been in the 80s, but, or the 90s, for that matter, but, so people would do it, and then we would do this whole, this whole wave, like a, like a sporting event, and um, this, you know, of course, started to really take place while I was on tour after the fire, so it was, it was a nice um, escape for me to watch this all take place, to have everybody unite together um and little did they know how therapeutic that was for me and what i was personally going through to see that happen um so i realized okay this is a lightning wave at these shows so therefore we are lightning riders like riding this this wave so that's how i came up with the idea of these guys combating against the angel miners and um so i made this whole record about my ways of dealing with the difficult things in life where I do my best or attempt to do my best to look at the glass as half full rather than half empty. And bizarrely, as we're sitting here today, um, it feels, it feels eerily, um, I don't want to say appropriate, but, relatable to what is happening today. Cause you know, you can wake up and I'm, everybody's different. Everybody consumes a certain amount of news or a certain amount of bad and bad news, meaning, you know, information that's a bummer is what I mean by that. Um, and you can only take so much, right. And, uh, before you have to kind of shut it down and get a good night's sleep or figure out a way to stay positive or whatever it is. And so, this record was, was my way of dealing with that because of the fires. And now strangely, it feels fitting to when I play these songs or um, hear them or try to figure out how we're going to play them eventually live. Um, it feels like therapy to me. And I hope that um, our fans or people, whether, you know, whether it's a hundred people or a million people, um, feel that in the songs. And, and you know, because I would hate to be anticipating a record right now and because of what's going on, have a band or an artist delay the album because of it. That would break my heart because I feel like I, I, music has always been my therapy. So um, it's just really important to me that we move forward as far as like the release of this album, which is coming out Friday. Because everybody keeps asking me, are you going to delay the record? And the answer is, well, I understand the question and where it's coming from. The answer is no way because I think, you know, there's that kid out there that's going to hear this album that's going to maybe make this just, just just somewhat of an escape just like we're all watching different movies and tv shows music can provide <clears throat> a bit of therapy and release even if it's for a couple minutes and to me even if it's i can't tour to promote the record it was it's still worth releasing it for that reason alone so um the fire really was my turning point moment, at least mo most recently. I mean, I could look back on life and think of multiple turning points, turning point moments, you know, um, whether it was, you know, 
getting bullied in certain ways or, or um, when I quit sports altogether because I realized music was more important and I wanted to go surfing and, you know, that led me to where I'm at now or, um, and everything in between. But it seems, it seems important to talk about how the fire uh, went. The record was a way to deal with that mentally um, and then cut all the way till now it feels sort of similar in a different way. Well, there's a lot of directions to go with that. It's interesting. And it's funny. I hadn't put that together because obviously we talked, you know, I've been up to the studio. So we had talked after the fire and everything. And I think one of the things that's interesting about it is that, you know, I've heard the record and musically it's so upbeat. I really love sort of the tempo of it and it felt a little different. You know, there were kind of dance elements to it that I didn't expect, but it's interesting. Do you feel like then that the it, it was, you know, looking back on it, because I talk about this with people all the time too, when you make a record, right, you're in the midst of it. It's only usually after it's done that you get an understanding of where it came from or what it's about. Do you feel like going back and looking at it, the sort of more upbeat nature of it came about because you needed, you personally needed that sort of, you know, pick me up and therapy that yeah. came from having gone through what you went through. Yeah, I think I think for sure I was really motivated to get up and, and prove it all over again. I also uh, had an opportunity to start over with a new record label, and you know, th- I always find that talking business like that is is pretty uninspiring. You know, when I'm reading interviews and and stuff of, of their bands, I'm like, ah, oh, tell me about the songs. I don't, so I don't want to talk too much about that. But but so it was a re- it was a it was a uh, accidentally forced rebirth in some ways because. I wanted to make a record that was definitely different than the last one I met, met, uh, made. And, um, you know, the writing was on the wall when I come home to look at my, my precious studio that just in ashes, you know, when I saw that, I'm like, well, this new record is definitely going to sound a lot different than the last one did. And by the way, where you came and visited me was at the old studio before it burned down. So that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. That's pretty special that you actually saw the studio before you know, before it was gone. So that thing's gone. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess it's up tempo cause I was really motivated. Um, I haven't thought of that. That's funny. You should mention that it is, it is pretty up tempo actually a lot, a lot of, there's only a couple like slower songs and, um, yeah, I felt really motivated to get up, you know, and, and dust off and, and start, start again. Cause I had no choice. Um, well, it's interesting looking back on it now then, are there particular songs that you can, now that I mentioned that, and again, it's, I know it's still probably early in the process and you know, all that. And, and when you look at it, are there particular songs that you can see as sort of your response or, or your own sort of pick me up? And as you say, it is interesting that obviously it becomes, look, you went through a, a personal trauma as so many people around you did. Mm. And now, of course, everyone is going through that, that, you know, some level of trauma change, like we talked about. Some people, thankfully, you know, are luckier than others, but everyone mm-hmm. is still having their life in upheaval. Yeah. Um, it's fear and panic and depression, anxiety. Those are real things, you know, regardless of if you get, you know, if you're physically injured or if you're, um, you lose your job or, or, go through a breakup or get your heart broken or anything like that. Like when someone feels fear or any of these real serious emotions, they're, um, 
it's real to them in that moment. You know, sometimes it's easy for us to go, oh, it's no big deal to someone. Um, like maybe someone's having a really hard time, you know, compartmentalizing this whole thing we're all dealing with right now. Um, and they're not even sick, but they're, they're mentally struggling. That's re- that's a real thing, you know? So um, what's been helpful for me is actually I've had to jump out of my comfort zone in this deal. Cause I, you know, we, we know each other, we talked a lot, right? So you're, you're probably the most consistent journalist I've spoken with since this whole thing has happened, since the band has mattered. <laughs> and um, I've had to jump out of this thing and start to really connect with people in a way that I've never really done before. I've enjoyed, you know, the songs have done really well for me. Um, and we have this connection with our fans that's kind of unspoken, but we sort of know what, where we're coming from. You know, I've decided that it's time to talk to people. So I've been doing these little live chats each day at noon and talk to different people like Duff, who you mentioned. And next, you know, I'll, and I've had just different guests. So I've been I've been able to weirdly turn it for the first time and ask other artists questions. And that's been therapeutic for me to find out how other people are going through this mentally. Whether it's um, Tim from Rise Against to I just talked to Phineas last week. To uh, and and then next week I'm I'm going to talk to K Flay and Brandon Boyd. You mentioned Incubus, and it's been just bizarrely inspiring to talk to people about how they're dealing with this thing. And I talked to a psychologist, a tattoo artist, and it's been really cool to that people are so open to share their story in a lot of ways. So I've gotten to feel a little bit of what you get to feel um, when you ask people questions. And not only has it been insightful for me to um see what it, what it feels like to be on the other side of it but you know i'm learning a lot more of how to present myself to at the same time and learn new tools like simple things like this you know i talked to this guy named michael dr michael gervais he's a high performance um psychologist and he deals with like you know uh crazy athletes you know from the red bull world um all the way to the seattle seahawks right and he was just telling me sim- the most simple thing i never thought of which is to double the amount of time that you from exhaling. So however long it takes you to take a, to inhale a breath, you exhale for twice the length. And if you could do that for eight minutes, it sends your mind into a state of uh, higher concentration and you're able to deal with things better. You know, little things like that, or he's like, so this thing is weird that we're going through. We could all agree on that right super weird super scary and sometimes even i'll i'll be having a hard moment and my wife will say you know it's okay that you feel strange because this is strange and that was something that that michael gervais said he's like if if you can identify almost name it give it a title when you feel you know and you can call it x or fear anxiety whatever you want to call it you can identify what it is that's a starting point you know because you can you can um label it and then maybe start to come to terms with it and put it on the shelf for a minute. Maybe it's time to go to bed. Maybe it's time to make dinner and, and, and not let fear consume you. And if you could label it, I found that that's um, really helpful. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that this whole thing has forced me out of my comfort zone into a place that's making me more comfortable thinking and talking about all of this. You know, it's so funny. I, I had a conversation with my doctor a couple of weeks ago for something unrelated to coronavirus, but you know, and it was yeah. funny, we were talking about it and he was saying, he's like a really funny, I just started going to him and he's a really funny New York Jew. And we were talking about it. And he's like, 
oh, we were talking about being anxious. And he's like, if you weren't anxious now, I'd ask you what the fuck is wrong with you. Yeah. So I, I feel like, yes, it is. But it's cool how you're using it to this advantage. And it's funny because you said you just had Phineas on. He's a friend as well. He's done the pod. I did an interview with him at NAM in front of 500 people. I love that dude. Brandon, I, I know. It's interesting being in that position where you're now doing the interviews. Yeah. You know, talk about the stuff that you're learning that yeah. you can then apply towards your own music and going forward and eventually, you know, all this stuff that, because again, you know, you find yourself in a different position, but all these people, anytime you talk to someone, I mean, that's one of my favorite thing, you know, having talked to so many musicians, every time I do it, there's something new you learn that you can then reference and take to other things. I've never done it. So it's a brand new thing. And, you know, it's been, it's been inspiring how, you know, I would say the result, there's only been two people who have said no. And I kind of expected, I expected, I expected a soft no, you know, and then of course I ask again and they say no again or whatever, but you know, like I've, I've met all these different characters through my journey. So I'm like, okay, well, I think our fans will really appreciate hearing from some of these people or their fans will too, you know, um, and hear them speak. And the one advantage I've found that I have is that <clears throat> it seems that some of the people forget that people are, are watching because I've never asked anyone stuff like this before. I've never had a been accidentally put in this position where I'm asking different artists questions that they maybe either journalists wouldn't want to ask or, or maybe they would skip around the question. Like I, I got Duff to talk about what his in-ear mix is like and how loud Slash's guitar is and, and, you know, and some of his addiction stuff. And that was incredible. I was like a little kid. You know, I felt like Matt Pinfield or something from, you know, um, from back in the day. And I've also learned that listening is very important. And in, in, as a journalist, I'm not a journalist. So, let, <laughs> so <laughs> let me make that very, very clear that I'm not a journalist, but I, I don't deserve that title at all, but like you do. But I'm sure you found the same thing. Sometimes if you just stay, you ask a question and you stay quiet, people will reveal much more than you had anticipated. So sometimes silence can be a very, very powerful thing. My wife is pretty quiet. And um, sometimes I feel the need to fill the, the, the dead air by talking too much. And I realize I'm just losing her at, at a certain point. So I've, I've also learned that less is more in some ways, but it's been interesting. Yeah, it's like a, a weird social study that I'm, that I'm doing psychologically that I didn't, didn't plan on for sure. And um, it's been cool seeing some of some of our fans connect with some of their fans, whoever they may be, and and see some of the you know you try not to look at the comments the whole time <clears throat> because that could be overwhelming. But um, it's been wild, you know. It's been it's been really wild. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. A couple of directions in that. I, I remember a couple of years ago, maybe a year ago, two years. You know, that's the thing. You lose all track of time too. <clears throat> I had Brandon and Serge Tankian do a joint interview for Forbes because they're both friends that I've known them forever. And yeah, you know, dude, when musicians talk to each other though, it's just different than talking with a journalist. Both Brandon and Serge are friends. I've known them forever. I have great conversations with them. Yeah. And they were talking about together though, they're talking about how you know when you're supposed to start a family, you know, way more personal stuff. So it's also just, right. it's a different vibe when it's a musician talking to a musician. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I've been asked the same questions so many times, so I, tr I try to avoid those those sorts of questions. But I've also got people to talk about stuff that, yeah, they they definitely uh, 
hadn't before. So that was, that's been really cool. And then, and then it's really rewarding to see their fans going, oh my God, yes, he's finally answering or she's finally answering this question. <laughs> I talked to uh, a good friend of mine named Elohim about um, mental health because that's sort of her whole campaign is she deals with a lot of, um, she personally struggles with a lot of anxiety and a lot of uh, mental health issues. So her, her whole fan base is like this beautiful <clears throat> family that, that, you know, they, her tour was called the group therapy tour, you know, for example. And so that was really helpful for me too. And her fans were so stoked to hear her talk about stuff she hadn't talked about yet. So we'll see where it ends up. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe the well will, will run dry for guests, but you know, I have like all of next week already booked and stuff. And it's just, <laughs> since my record comes out Friday, most of this is this week for me is, uh, you know, I, I have to get back in, in, to being interviewed again, you know, and doing stuff like this. And that's great too. But, um, it's definitely low stress to ask the questions compared to, you know, having to come up with a clever answer. I find. All right. Here's an obvious question, but I ask everyone because just again, and I always approach everything from a fan standpoint, who would Mm -hmm. be the dream person for you to have on the show? Since this has become a little bit bigger than I had anticipated in some ways. Um, you know, the sky's the limit. So like there, there's some athletes that would be really cool to interview in some ways or certain politicians that I would love to ask some real questions that aren't the typical political questions, but you know, more like more stuff that, 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 that sort of equalizes us as humans, you know, those sort of questions. Um, but as far as like my world of music, it'd be amazing to interview Rick Rubin because he's, he's like a musical soulmate of mine. Um, sometimes we talk more than others. I haven't, I haven't spoken to, to, to him in a while, but he would be great to interview. Um, uh, you know, I really would love to talk to Zach De La Roca, see what, what he's thinking. <laughs> um, and uh, that's a good question. But Rick Rubin would be on the top of my list. Maybe Jeff Lynn, because, you know, I just want any excuse to hang out with him and talk to him a bit. I got lucky. We had Jeff on the show. No way. Jesus. Hook me up. <laughs> He is amazing, dude. And Rick is a friend. I love Rick. Rick is is awesome. He's such a... I, I can just sit and talk music to him all day long. But it, it is fascinating to see. I mean, and, and again, it's interesting because, you know, something you said going back to obviously talking about your album as well. We had Vanessa Carlton on the show not long ago and she released her album March 27th. And we talked about the fact that, you know, there really is... There's no right or wrong answer for people who decide to release music now or don't decide to. There's no, it's not, you know, it's whatever you personally are comfortable with because these times are so unprecedented. And, you know, so if you are Alanis Morissette, who I absolutely adore, my favorite interview in the world, and you don't want to put out your music now, or if you're Fiona Apple, whose new record is fucking mind-blowing and is such a welcome distraction for everything, you know, and you do decide to put it out now, there's no right or wrong. But, it's interesting. One thing Vanessa said that was fascinating is that it was weird for her to put out an album that she wasn't going to be able to tour for possibly a year because, you know, these songs change so much and come to life so much when you play them live. So that is an interesting concern. And it's a thought. And for you, as you think about these songs and the opportunity to have them grow and expand into the live format, are there ones that you're particularly curious about? Or was that a thought in, in process in terms of like, or, you know, maybe doing live stream things or that. Because again, that, that to me was maybe the most interesting thing. Because again, when you put out music, right? 
every artist who puts out music can't wait to take it to the stage and see how a live audience responds to it. Well, I have the luxury of it being the fourth album. So I've experienced the trials and tribulations and the ups and downs of, of fan reactions, you know? So there's some songs that when I'm making the record, I'm just, I, I have this, you know, glory in my eyes and heart about the song. Like when we play the song, it's going to be like the most epic thing, whatever, whatever that means to me for that song. But I've also noticed that some songs that I thought were going to really relate, um, that fans were going to relate to on a high level, uh, didn't. And the songs that I didn't expect at times, you know, those became the, the glory moments of the show or whatever, or the, the connection. So I, I've been able to um, kind of trick myself into having low expectations for songs and, and how they will feel live. I know how they feel to play live for me and in, in the physical physicality of it with the band. And so that's cool. But I, I no one knows when we're going to be able to tour uh, again or anything like that. So by the time that happens, my assumption is that I will be able to see which songs seem more appropriate and more important to play from this new record than others. So, um, and I'll take that, whatever it is, you know, so if a song like, you know, the last song on the record to me, I hope that's one of them, but it's a deeper album cut. It's the last song on the record and uh, it's called uh, I'm a wreck. And um, I hope that that's one that seems like people really want to hear, but I, I don't know. Cause music definitely feels different right now than it did before this happened. Right. And on a positive level, it seems to me that music with substance comes across better than, than some more, more of the plastic sounding, um, not even sounding, but intended, you know, a song that you could tell was just written for the sake of being big or commercial feels uh, less soothing than a song that's coming from the heart and soul. Um, and so only time will tell which of, which of the songs from this new record last through this strange deal we're in right now. So I have no idea. But in the meantime, it's safe to say that I'll be able to get together with the five members of my band way before touring is appropriate or safe, right? So at the very least, I want to record a live album front to back of these 10 songs, you know, in the same order um, and release that in between this album. And when we're able to go on tour, um, not only do I want to do it because I think it'll be something that would be very enjoyable. Um, but I think it would be the least I could do to um, fill the gap, you know? So, so the people who were going to excited, I'd never played the Greek theater, for example, we were going to play the Greek, but that got scratched and, you know, I'm not devastated by it by any means, but it was definitely one of those special moments that were going to be cool. Hometown show, the, the famous Greek theater, you know, that whole moment, that's gone. So, you know, for, for locally, the people that were like, oh, that was going to be such a cool show, outside, romantic, all those things, that's gone. But what I can do is give my very best version of these songs live and they, you know, we could all listen to them at least and have our own moments from home or in our cars that'll tie people over. But dude, I, I got to tell you, I feel so lucky for where I'm at that I, I'm, it's, it's almost impossible for me to be down on what's going on with my record, you know? So I remember at first I'm like, whoa, this is, this is intense. You know, this is like, everything was going good, blah, blah, blah. And it's still going surprisingly good. But um, 
of course that the fear of, of not being able to promote it in the same way took over, but I also see it as like, well, you, I have to adapt, you know, cause I don't know. I don't know if, if we're talking about a year or more or less. I, I just, I'm not going to play that game where I, I know I, I even claim to know anything cause I don't, but, um, I do know that I have control of what I'm doing. That's all. So having these well, kinds of discussions will be really cool in, in different ways of presenting these songs. I see it as a new kind of challenge. Well, no, it's interesting just to not to get, but it's, in, it's not coming. I, I didn't mean it in a, you know, in a place of fear, but I meant it. And just as an artist, you're excited. You have new music that you are excited about. You've created that you want to share with people. And I think that as a, you know, that's one of the gratifying things as an artist is getting to share it on stage and feeling that visceral reaction that connects with fans. So I didn't mean it from a business standpoint of like, oh, okay, well, you can't promote in the traditional way. It's more no, like I know, but I know, but a lot of artists are are making the decision based off that. And you know, that's just what my experience has been is seeing that. You know, so I that's that's I guess what I was speaking on. Yeah. It's it. And again, as I say, there's no right or wrong, though, because I understand it from the perspective of both standpoints. And it's interesting. You look at someone like Fiona, though, who hasn't put out music in eight years. Her music should be an event. And she's like, fuck it, I'm putting it out in the middle of this. And, you know, just kind of puts it out there. And, you know, but again, I also understand either either standpoint because it is so unprecedented. But something you said struck me was so interesting about music being music of substance. And I actually did a Forbes story on that maybe two, three weeks ago, talking about the fact that at no other point in time would a 17-minute Bob Dylan song be the most talked-about song in America? And it's funny for me, I've really been enjoying seeing all the stuff about Michael Stipe because I'm a massive REM fan. And to see him coming back out and doing stuff mm -hmm. is really fascinating. For you, what have been sort of those comfort songs or those songs of solace that you turn to again and again? I've been... Um I've never, I've recorded a bunch of cover songs, you know, uh, with like Bruce Springsteen, I'm on fire. Uh, and more recently the car song drives, of course, the great Ben Orr, rest in peace. Um, and Rick as well, rest in peace. But, um, I did those with a, with a full production recently, ever since this happened, I went back to, you know, what I loved about music to begin with, which is the therapy. And I've been, I've been, I've been learning how to play other people's songs that i put on the back burner my whole life you know so i've just i've learned a handful of cover songs and just been playing them at night while we're either making dinner or just hanging out with the dogs and kind of walking around and and that's been that's been uh see cause i i do most of my li music listening when i'm driving but i haven't gone any the times i listen to music are either casually in the morning when i'm having coffee and doing whatever um taking care of the responsibilities i have with this record and different things or at night, you know, when the sun goes down, I've, I've found that it's been really fun to finally tackle these songs, print out the lyrics, learn them. And so, for example, uh, Beck's Sea Chains was a big deal for me, you know, when that came out. So there were always these songs on there that, um, that I was, I always wanted to learn Keep On Loving You just for a fun, epic REO Speedwagon moment. Really hard song to sing for me. So I would never share that with anyone, but that's been cool. It's funny because as you go through those songs, one thing I've been thinking about, because I just did this Forbes roundup piece on favorite singer-songwriter albums. And in fact, it's funny, I got Kevin Cronin to answer one, but uh, he picked Dan Fogelberg, which I thought was an excellent choice. Now I'm kind of geeking out on 70s stuff. So what's your favorite 70s song of all time? And I know that's a fucking hard Dude, question because that covers so much. Let me just say something about Dan Fogelberg. <laughs> 
when my my drummer Isaac introduced me to old song uh, old song line is how you say it right old lang syne old lang syne wow yes I botched that hard but anyway so that song I allow myself to listen to that song twice a year around the holidays and every time I do I cry that is a great <laughs> it's song it's such a good song I, and I didn't know I didn't even you know, we were on tour and we were all like, we had a bunch of drinks. It was one of those like late night sessions of just hanging out. We're trying to outdo each other with uh, with songs that maybe the group had. Hall and Oates song from uh, the Silver album. Because uh, there's a lot of songs on that record that are incredible. And, and the drum and bass connection and the recording, um, my contribution to this, this session. And then Isaac said, all right, this, this is very much like him to do. He said, this next song is a night ender, meaning like I'm going to play this and you guys won't be able to top this. And he put, he put that Vogelberg song on. I never heard it before. Weirdly, my, I've gone my whole life without hearing that song. I heard Leader of the Band, of course, which that, talk about a good song. That's a great song. But um, so he put old, how do I say it again? Old Lang Syne. Old Lang Syne. Yeah, just like the New Year's Eve thing. I didn't expect it to go where it went, you know, because the whole thing is, is, is a little hokey in the beginning but then when he goes to the the chorus and he said we drank a toast to in object world that was just a big big deal for me you know and, and so uh beck lost cause as i mentioned weirdly i've been listening to a lot of bill withers before he passed away strangely um so that was that was a bummer but grandma's hands is a big song the drum beat is like enormous to me there's an aretha franklin song called daydreaming that's huge to me and it feels really nice because sometimes it feels like a weird sci-fi trip, bad trip that we're on together. And so weirdly like hypnotic music feels very appropriate to me. Check this out. Enya echoes in rain has been big lately to me. <laughs> um, Interesting. Okay. You know, just because of the epic nature of it, Chris Isaac, wicked game. I'm, I'm going in and out of the seventies. Obviously Isaac is not a lot of these songs are seventies. Um, there's a song by, I don't know how to say his name, but Gilbert O'Sullivan. And the song's right. called Alone Again, Naturally. Do you know that song? Of course. Oh, man. What a song. Midnight Oil Beds Are Burning feels incredibly important, even though the subject matter is specifically, uh, you know, at least most the verse is, is, is specific to Australia, mostly. Um, but the chorus feels very appropriate right now. Uh, in a lot of ways. And even before this happened, it just, it just, sometimes it feels, you know, you wake up some days and you feel like the world's just crumbling all around you. Right. And then some days you wake up and feel like there's a little, little positivity. And that, that could be, you know, a simple text message from a loved one or some sort of, you know, information that you're given that's actually good and not bad. And um, that's really all I've ever written about, you know, with my songs. And so this, this record is, is, you know, my newest experience of, of trying to navigate through the difficulties of life and, and good and evil, light and dark, you know, grappling with, with the realization that there are some serious, serious uh, human beings that, that make big decisions that affect our lives in a major way. Um, and, and struggling with that at times, you know? 
I've never necessarily been, you know, great with authority <laughs> in school, <laughs> in school, especially. And I'm sure a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, musicians feel the same way, but that that's a tricky one for me for sure. Cool. Well, we've been on almost an hour. So is there anything that you want to add? I did not ask you about. Man, I, I always like to add that I just, I can't believe I'm, anyone wants to talk to me at all about the music I make. And I really appreciate your time and, and um, anyone who's going to check out this podcast. Uh, um, it's really cool. And, and I think it's important to reach out to people right now. Um, and I don't mean on Instagram, liking their photo of the, the food they made, you know, last night or whatever. I'm talking about actually physically calling them, reaching out, you know, now's the time to, reconnect with that long lost lost friend you know that that you had a falling out with and you've wondered about it you know maybe maybe now's the time if it's if it's possible to mend that relationship or reach out to your parents or grandparents or any of your elders people who are more vulnerable right now you know um now's the time to do that and not just text but actually let them hear your voice and and hear theirs it's a good opportunity for that dude i agree it's fun. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. It's, uh, I think that's been the most interesting thing for me as I've discussed with people and wrap up on this is what I'm really curious about. And it's funny, this applies to something as, you know, like your show or on much bigger scales, you know, how people are going to change from this and what's going to happen. And that to me is really interesting to see, you know, how people respond to this and, and where they grow and where they go. And like, you know, I use the analogy of, for example, like, are people going to have like an awakening or are you going to have people who come back and it's like, oh my God, I missed out on all this stuff. So it's like even more important that I get into the right fucking Coachella party. And I'm really curious yeah. to see that. And I have no clue. I think it's going to be a little bit of both, man. I mean, there's, I think it's going to be a pretty clear line, you know, um, just like a new year's resolution, right? You know, you have all these ambitious plans and, and you know, what, how are you going to eat differently or, or do things differently? And then it, it, it's hard to maintain, but they're, Humans, have, if you look throughout history, human beings are resilient and they figure out ways to adjust and adapt. And as scary as it may seem, you know, I, I feel somewhat positive that we're going to be able to tell our kids and our kids' kids how, how we were able to, to uh, survive and figure out, you know, ways to cope with this. So, so we can teach our kids or their kids, like I said, or just people younger. I don't have kids personally, but um, maybe I will one day. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But um, I'll be able to share kind of like my dad, you know, when I, I, I turn to him and I go, what, what is this? You know, how do we deal with this? What is this going to mean? And he can draw, you know, he can draw on history for his, his and share some of his wisdom with me from the stuff he's gone through. So this is just going to be, you know, eventually make us be able to uh, teach people in a lot of ways. And I feel like that's actually a great wrap-up note. So, dude, always such a pleasure. Thank you. You know? You too, man. It's good to hear from you. And um, for the future, I know who you are. You don't have to remind me that you almost punched out the TMZ guy, although it is cool. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, I feel like it's a memorable moment. It's, uh, I it was weird. Wish the, only, the, only thing, the only thing about the story I wish is that I had actually done it. I know. Or just like, yeah, I just didn't understand. And I'm like, why do you want to hear from me, dude? Jared Leto's in the other room. Go talk to him. I don't know what I'm talking about, you know? <laughs> yeah, what's really funny, by the way, as an aside to that, is the, the woman at K-Rock who handles their press is a really one of my closest friends in the industry. Oh, cool. She is phenomenal. She's a great person. <laughs> but I was just like, what the 
fuck do you have a TMZ writer in your room for? Like that better not ever happen, you know? And we, we laugh about it to this day, she and I too. Yeah. So, you know, it made for a good memorable story, but for know, sure, man. congratulations on the record. Thank and you. Uh, we'll talk soon. All right, brother. Take care. See you. You too. Hey, this is Steve Balton, and you have been listening to My Turning Point with guest Aaron Bruno from AWOL Nation. As I told you, always a pleasure to talk with this dude. Hope you enjoyed the interview as much as we did. As you can hear, he has a lot to say. Smart guy, always has a lot going on. And for sure, check out Angel Miners and the Lightning Riders. It's a really fun, interesting record and very cool. Thanks. Because our Sleep Number 360 smart bed is really smart. It senses your movement and automatically adjusts to help keep you both comfortable. Plus, it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. It's even smart enough to know exactly how long, how well, and when you slept. And to help you get almost 30 minutes more restful sleep per night. Sleep Number takes care of the science. All you have to do is sleep. And now, during our Memorial Day sale, save $1,000 on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition smart bed Queen now only $19.99. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. When it comes to LASIK, Dr. Boutros and the Eye Center have led the way for the past 25 years. Today, this tradition continues by being one of the few practices in the country to offer you iDesign 2.0, using the same technology as the NASA James Webb Telescope. And in the hands of an elite surgeon like Dr. Boutros, more patients are seeing 2020 or better after LASIK. Right now, enjoy 20% off iLASIK with iDesign. Go to theeyecenter.com or call 888-844-2020. Some restrictions apply. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.